This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, and wow, we have a lot to catch up on. And just over the past few days, major news coming down, ranging from a James Franklin contract extension that will keep him on campus through 2025 to on Monday afternoon, the departure of Ricky Ronnie, a member of this coaching staff since Franklin came to town from Vanderbilt in 2014. But we're going to start with news on the recruiting front. A long-awaited commitment has arrived, and Theo Johnson, after a lot of consideration, has picked Penn State. It seems like this one was just forever ago since since Penn State offered him. They offered him the same day as they offered Brenton Strange, who has been on campus for almost a year now. Um, so this one has been a, a long-term investment for the Nittany Lions. I put the crystal ball pick back in January. I'll be quite honest with you. I, he went into this announcement not knowing where he was going to pick. You know, I felt uh, I felt strong enough to leave it on Penn State because uh, that's what we had heard. But uh, kudos to Theo Johnson. He kept uh, everybody in the dark, uh, you know, right up until the end. Uh, from what I understand, didn't tell Penn State staff until right then as well. So, um, yeah, this was, uh, this was one that was uh, came down to the wire. Penn State made him a priority from the start. Um, I think that's one thing that helped uh, that sort of helped in the payoff here at the end. Um, you know, he was he was at the top when he went to the uh, the national combine in January. He was already a priority for Penn State. Uh, really weren't sure where they would go at it with the tight end class, but they kept on him throughout the whole thing. You know, even when it felt like they fa- they had faded, you know, they were still in the picture because of Tyler Bowen, because of the way that they recruited him, because of the roadmap that they put out there for him. They could show him with Pat Fryermuth, and that's uh, an interesting thing because you were going up against Iowa, which had two first-round picks at, uh, at tight end in the last NFL draft. Of course, Michigan's right there across the uh, the border for him in, in Windsor, Ontario, and Georgia seemingly gets you know a lot of the guys that they target. So, uh, very very stiff competition for Penn State. They had him on campus several times. They made him a priority. They showed him the roadmap. They they, they kind of laid out what they were expecting from him. And in the end, they're going to earn the signature. He's going to be a January and early enrollee. It looks like there's 11 scholarship January and early enrollees right now. So a big, uh, big priority for Penn State is to getting getting those guys in. So, but really, I mean, kind of the cherry on top for this class, which now sits back at 28 uh, commitments. Uh, really, just a, an excellent job for Penn State, and really just a sigh of relief because this is one that uh, you know, if it got away, you were wondering what more could Penn State could have done. Uh, it turns out nothing. Very nice two-week stretch for Tyler Bowen. He finds out that Pat Fryermuth is, is committing to stick around in 2020, and he finds out that his room's going to welcome Theo Johnson. Not the only tight end on board. We'll get to that in a second. But um, Steve Wolfong had covered this very closely. You'll hear from him in a moment. He has some, some reaction up on our site, lines247.com. And right now, coming off of this recruiting weekend, uh, there's a ton of content right now because Penn State was busy with 2021s, and we are really knocking on the door of this early signing period. Yeah, that's a that's a big sticking point with us. We got a lot of VIP stuff coming off of a big recruiting weekend for Penn State with the 2021 class. 
put up an episode this morning uh, talking Theo Johnson, talking that big weekend, also talking recru- uh, Ricky Ronnie's connection with the Old Dominion job. So a lot of stuff floating around Alliance 24-7. But first, we're going to get into uh, and, and bring in Steve Wiltfong to talk a little bit about Johnson, a little bit about the, uh, the weekend, and a little bit about uh, what's, uh, what's going on with Penn State right now. We now go to the phone lines for 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting, Steve Wiltfong. Steve is an avid listener of the show, I'm sure, and a frequent guest. Steve, thanks for joining us. Bro, thanks for having me on. I'm a subscriber to the Lions 247 podcast. We always like to have our subscribers on. Steve, big one for the Nittany Lions, uh, seemingly closing up their 2020 class with Theo Johnson. This is one you and I have been on for a long, long time. Uh, came right down to the wire. Uh, what do you got with Theo? Well, this is a guy that Coach Franklin and his staff, Tyler Bowen and company, have coveted since they had him in camp nearly two years ago, and they recruited him as hard as they've recruited any prospect since James Franklin has been at Penn State. And you don't win them all, uh, but this was a slobber knocker on the trail that they were able to win and, and strengthen a room that's already one of the strongest in college football. You have Pat Fryermuth coming back next year. You still have Zach Kuntz, who has all the traits to break out next year. Brenton Strange pushing him. And then you have Theo Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren in this class, a couple 6'5", 6'6", 235, 240-pound athletic specimens with, with extremely high upside. We saw the way Penn State played this year with a lot of 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. I think that this is really going to be their identity moving forward. And guys like Theo Johnson and, and Tyler Warren and, and of course, Fryermuth and, and uh, Koontz and Strange possess wild matchup uh, issues for defenses. And, and some of these guys run extremely well where you can uh, play Theo Johnson uh, on the perimeter or in the slot and, and uh, still have a vertical threat down the field. What do you think? Uh, I mean, this offense has obviously showcased Fryermuth. Is that something from talking to Theo throughout the process? Is that something that that really sold him on Penn State? I know we we talk about the logic and things. Like, you know, Penn State was early on him. They've got great relationships with him. But really, is it is it the offense that really sort of is the tipping point when you go from that? Because you know, I'm sure he's got great relationships at Michigan and Iowa, and you know, took visits to Georgia as well. So, is the offense? Do you, do you see that being something that has t- you know tipped that in Penn State's favor uh, throughout the, the I guess the stretch run? Well, if you look at the three of the finalists, the three Big Ten schools, Michigan, Iowa, and Penn State, they all have track records of getting the football to the tight end. And Georgia was selling that we don't have any tight ends to get the ball to. Um, So I'm not so sure that it was the offense. I mean, hell, Iowa had two first-round tight ends last year. Uh, I think what this came down to, I think that's why these programs were finalists. Uh, I think what it came down to was – the relationships uh, Penn State was first to offer Theo when he was a guy that none of us knew who he was. They had him in camp alongside Brenton Strange. I think that was a big factor for Penn State. And, and I also uh, think that Coach Franklin's contract extension that he just signed um, showed Theo uh, that there probably won't be any co- coaching turnover significant of any stretch when he's at Penn State also. So I think that was the difference more so than the offense. I think if you look at Michigan and Iowa and Penn State, he was going to have an ample opportunity to be arguably the Big Ten's best tight end and one of the nation's best tight end. I think it was the relationship and the contract extension that was the tipping point. 
you saw him this summer at the opening, and I think it was when he opened some eyes. You also saw him at the uh, National Underclassman Combine in January, I think is really when he got on your radar as a big-time prospect. What sets him apart as a tight end? Uh, what, what are the traits that set him apart from other guys in his class? Well, I wish I would have kept that Penn State crystal ball back in January when he told me the Nittany Lions led in San Antonio at the, at the All-America Bowl. But this recruitment could have went a lot of different ways down the stretch. Uh, and Penn State had to had to battle to win it. And then as far as the player, it's a terrific combination of size, length and speed with the short area quickness to separate from uh, no, to separate from whoever's checking him. If it's safety, a linebacker or a cornerback, Johnson's got some quicks and some wiggles uh, uh, for a, a guy of his stature. It's off the charts, natural ball skills. And then after the catch, he's a, he's going to be allowed to get on the carpet. So uh, he brings the full bag. Uh, from a playmaking standpoint to Penn State's offense. Have you watched Tyler Warren at all very much? Uh, he's, he's a mystery guy in this class. For, you know, he's not on Twitter. He doesn't do the whole, the, the whole recruiting thing, but seems to be another big athlete that they found that can do some things. He was committed to Virginia Tech as a quarterback. Now he's going to play tight end. Uh, any thoughts on pairing uh, Johnson with Tyler Warren in this tight end class? Well, I just know that a place like Penn State, what they're trying to build, they're trying to become a team that's going from knocking on the door of the college football playoff three of the last four years to busting through and to and to do that you have to raise the level of competition in every position room and Tyler Warren is not a reach for them at tight end uh, just a, a, a guy that they got just in case they didn't get Theo uh, he's a guy that is a, is a multi-sport athlete uh, that that uh, um, obviously he's played some quarterback a smart kid and, and a guy that brings a unique skill set as well to Penn State. I think, and Penn State's up to number 12 in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings, landing Theo and and Tyler was big, sustaining that tight end room. But uh, I still think the biggest win for, for Penn State in the cycle is what they were able to do at receiver. Um, because if they're able to get more production out of their receiver room next year, uh, this is a football team that should on paper be the best one that James Franklin's had since he's been at Penn State. Uh, the offensive line is going to return four starters and, and most of the two deep. The tight end room is going to be arguably the best in the country. Same with the running back room. Sean Clifford's going to be a returning starter. Will Levis has gotten a taste uh, of the field and, and will be one of the best backups in college football. And then on, on defense, you lose Gross Matos and, and you lose uh, some of those guys on the interior of your defensive line. But I really think that they have some really talented pass rushers coming up, coming up the pipeline and some some big, able-bodied defensive linemen to uh, keep that going uh, on the middle of the front. And then obviously Micah Parsons, I think, is going to be a, a, a Buckus Award uh, contender and, and one of the best players in college football next year, regardless of position. And, and so uh, the receiver recruiting was really big for Penn State this cycle. Uh, Keandre Lambert, I think Parker Washington is an instant impact type player with how smooth and physically ready he's going to uh, be uh, to go uh, when he when he gets on campus. Um, and, and so all those guys collectively, two more good running backs. Uh, Malik Mega has got some freak uh, ability to, to him, but maybe a developmental guy. Uh, but Keandre Lambert and Parker Washington are two that I, I'm looking at right away and saying these guys, uh, hopefully they can help in, in year one. 
and, and, and you obviously you hope KJ Hamler comes back and, and then those other guys push the likes of Jahan Dotson and Daniel George uh, and, and the best players play. Just over a week now until that 2020 class signs, but Penn State had a big weekend over uh, the last couple of days. Some big time targets in the 2021 class on campus, and you were right there on the pulse of things as usual. Anything that jump out at you? I know we have a ton of stuff on our site at Lions 24-7 that you can check out from guys like Caleb Williams, uh, Landon Tangwall. But anything jump out to you about this event? Because this is a little bit different in this cycle. Can't have junior days in February anymore. Penn State got out ahead of that, hosted a bunch of guys over the weekend. There was a lot of guys that they've had on campus before, but it was a more intimate recruiting weekend, and it was a really cool atmosphere. And I, I you could tell talking to these young men uh, how much fun they really had, uh, capped off by that cooking contest at the end that was judged by James Franklin and his daughters. The defensive lineman uh, won that competition uh, with uh, with some kind of fruit sandwich or whatever. I know the offensive lineman cooked a. Uh, a burrito of some sort. I'm not sure what the skill players had or, or what they worked on, but just the creativity there. All the guys got to see a practice. Um, they all got uh, one-on-one time and valuable time with the potential position coach and, and coordinator. And I, I think really one of the rock stars of that event was the offensive line coach, uh, Matt Limegrover. There were a lot of uh, priority, highly recruited, uh, touted ballyhooed, uh, blue chip offensive lineman uh, there, Wyatt Millam, uh, Landon Tangwall, Tristan Lay um, uh, were there. And uh, um, those are guys that um, really enjoyed spending time with, with Lime Grover and, and could see him coaching uh, them on the on the next level. I love where they stand with Tangwall, by the way. Um, that was another one where I had a very early crystal ball pick for Penn State. Went foggy as it tightened up a little bit. Um, but I'm back on Penn State. I think they're the clear leader for for Tangwall. I think somebody else did that, and also did that with Johnson. I don't know if that was uh, was an interesting coincidence or not. Is but, this show uh, going full circle? Yes, it's gone full full circle. It's coming back to me. Uh, but yes, yeah, Steve, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, there's plenty of stuff on Lions 24/7 from the weekend. Did a fantastic job, you and Brian Doan. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for coming on this the, on the show on short notice. Big pickup for Penn State. You can read all about it on Lions 24-7. He's our director of recruiting, our fearless leader, Steve Wilfong. Thanks for coming on the show. Fitzy, my man, y'all take care, and I'll see all you guys on the Lions Pride. Take care. Thanks, as always, to Steve Wilfong for joining the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hopefully everybody has a better understanding of what Penn State is adding here. 28 commitments once again for Penn State. That total went down to 27 uh, for a couple of days. Elijah Gaines, a defensive back at Episcopal Academy down in Virginia, uh, no longer a member of the Nittany Lions recruiting class as of Friday afternoon. So, again, that back up to 28, Sean, and uh, we're now under two weeks until the early signing period. The numbers are tight. We've already found out a couple uh, of potential draft prospects are sticking around, and uh, Mike Mennett and, and Will Fries, and then you throw in the fact that Pat Fryermuth found himself on that will he or won't he list, and the numbers are seemingly getting tight for Penn State. Yeah, still waiting out decisions from guys like Tariq Castro-Field, Shaka Tony, and of course K.J. Hamler. Uh, we talked about them on the la- on the show last time, but not much has changed there. Uh, you know, it, it feels like maybe, you know, the, the space that they have with 28, and at one point James Franklin said they wanted to get to 30, 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And and really, there aren't a ton of guys out there left as as active targets. You look at defensive end, you look at defensive back, and sure, you'd like to add another one, but sometimes you just can't do that. So uh, for the most part, I think Penn State's pretty well wrapped up. It's 2020 class. Uh, of course, they've got the big visit weekend coming this weekend um, with the 2020 class com- or most of the 2020 class coming in. Uh, so we'll see where they go from there. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if you're looking at all things considered, this class right now, where Penn State was, uh, what, eight months ago where they didn't have a ton of juice and you saw Julian Fleming going elsewhere and Brian Bressy going elsewhere, Pretty solid class, and they've they've ended it very well. Um, if if Theo Johnson is indeed the last commitment, they've ended it really on a high note. It is a class now uh, again with 28 players ranked 12th in the composite rankings for the 2020 recruiting cycle. 24 uh, seven sports actually evaluating this class. It's funny again back to back years like this, Sean. Number six talent level when you look at Penn State's 2020 class in terms of the way 24 seven sports itself evaluates this group. I believe they were number three last year and maybe just outside the top 10 in composite. So another year where there's that, that discrepancy where it seems like the folks here at 24-7 Sports seem to have a better overall appreciation for what James Franklin and the staff have put together than perhaps what we're seeing at an industry-wide scale right now. Yeah, and of course, if you're listening to this, you think we do a better job uh, than, than our competitors because we have them rated higher. But no, I mean, it's a it's another good class. Uh, I see a lot of potential here. And I was talking to some, some folks about this uh, in the last week. Uh, you know, a pretty big fan of the bottom of this class. I, I just think they can get a lot out of this gr- this group. Um, you know, you take it. There's 28, so the you know you can break up this class in many different ways. But you know, it's just uh, there's some guys that really stick out of that uh, out of that group. Uh, Tyler Warren is one of those guys. Uh, really athletic kid at six five and a half, two thirty, two thirty five. Uh, really athletic, going to play some tight end. I'm just so curious to see, because this is a guy that we could be talking about in a couple of years, and we're going to compare him with Theo Johnson because their careers are going to uh, run parallel to one another. But, you know, wouldn't be surprised if, if Tyler Warren outproduced Theo Johnson at some point. So uh, just it really some intriguing guys across the board. We've seen some guys get some bumps. Zariah Fisher is a guy that we love on this podcast that, you know, he has come up and I think he might be a borderline four-star. Some of those composites have, uh, you know, adjusted in the last few days. But Really, just you've seen the bottom of that class come up, and when you're talking about class ranking, when you're talking about um, you know where they can sit uh, from top to bottom, uh, when that bottom comes up, I mean, it's going to impact everybody. And I think in the trenches, and, and we'll take a closer look at this class uh, as a whole next week when we focus in on the, on the signings and and this thing really coming down the finish line. But that that bottom group, the last four guys, when you talk about composite rankings, all linemen, and I think the linemen on both sides of the ball in this group, Sean, you're not going to find a lot of you know flashy process resumes on either side, defensive linemen, uh, offensive linemen. I think 2021, you're maybe talking about some of those kind of talents, especially at offensive tackle. But in this group, you know, that bottom that, that bottom portion of players, when you look at where they are in composite rankings, Nick Dawkins out of Allentown High School, Devlin Willock, uh, a guy who, who was injured at the end of his senior season, but uh, a big frame to work with. And Ibrahim Traore, an offensive tackle that we saw on camp. And Fatoma Mulba, someone that Penn State really, you know, found him as his recruiting was starting to ascend. So I think across the board, there's a lot of names, and we'll re-familiarize ourselves with this, but someone who is not going to be lost in the shuffle is Theo Johnson, and and Steve did a great job of explaining exactly why. No doubt about it. Um, You know, he's a guy that uh, 
really a special kid when you talk about size and strength and 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 uh, you know speed and he's a guy that can stretch the field and and Penn State's tight end room right now is is fantastic to to begin with. I mean, even without Theo Johnson, be a really good room. Really excited to see what Fryermuth can do next year. That second guy is going to have to step up, whether it be Zach Kuntz or Brenton Strange or maybe one of these freshmen. But really, if you look across college football, there aren't too many tight end rooms better than this group right now. Tyler Bowen's done a heck of a job. He's given them options and whatever this offense looks like next year, um, you're going to see. You know, I think multiple tight ends worked into that different uh, different ways to attack. They did that a lot this year. Nick Bowers really benefited from it. So they're on a roll with tight ends, and it's funny because you know I think when you joined us uh, at Lions 24/7, we were talking about how you know low the tight end room, you know how you really weren't able to expect anything going into the 2018 season. And just to think about where that was just a year and a half, uh, maybe almost two years ago um, to where it's gotten now is just, uh, it's ridiculous to think about. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a situation and, and thinking, I hope this doesn't crater too badly with Mike Kosicki off to the NFL. And, and of course, Pat Fryermuth uh, changed the perception you know, within the first month of his career. Uh, the success at tight end, Sean, for this uh, staff, specifically for Tyler Bowen, that extends to the 2021 class where Nick Elksness is one of three players committed, along with Liam Clifford, Nate Bruce. Uh, big opportunity for that 2021 uh, recruiting class to expand a little bit, to set the foundation for some big-time targets because uh, Penn State was not in Indianapolis where they would have loved to be for the Big Ten Championship, but they mowed the, made the most of staying home and fresh off of an announcement about James Franklin's contract extension, a subject we'll speak about more in just a moment. Sean, they got a bunch of guys that they would love to have on campus long term. They got them on campus for a solid few hours, and it sounds like it was a hit. Yeah, some for more than a few hours, a couple overnight trips. Uh, what's interesting about this, so the, the recruiting calendar has changed a little bit in that February now is a dead period. So you can't, basically after signing day, you can't host recruits all of February, which takes out some junior days. It takes out some some of those, I guess, hallmark weekends that Penn State's had in the past and a lot of schools have had in the past. So what that does, and you know, you close one door and you open another one, what are you going to do to sort of counterbalance that? Well, Penn State decided to get these guys in here in December. Um, you, you know, you can host them for December, get them to a bowl practice, get them all together, and then, you know, maybe maybe get them back on campus in January. But to get that impression into their head before the Christmas break is a big thing. So they've adjusted their recruiting strategy. They've gotten these guys on campus. They've done a nice job of of sort of building up this weekend. And it came pretty quickly because I think last, uh, last time at this week, we were talking about, okay, Kayla Williams is going to come and check things out. So Kayla Williams in itself visiting is a, is a huge story. And then all of a sudden Landon Tangwall's in and, and Wyatt. Millam and, and Tristan, you know, it just kind of snowballs from there. And it's a lot of top targets that were on campus this weekend. A couple of really good position groups. I mean, you've got the offensive line group with with Tangwall and with Lee and, and, and Wyatt Millam. I mean, you got to feel very strong about where you stand with those guys, especially Tangwall. And then the group of wide receivers that they had on campus this weekend, uh, clearly top targets. Dante Thornton has been a top target since they offered him, since he was committed and then backed out. You know, he's still on the board and, you know, it doesn't always happen with the, with decommitted prospects. Jaleel Farouk is a tremendously talented prospect from Maryland. Guy we probably, you know, he's been pretty quiet. We probably don't talk about him enough. Caden Prather, we've talked about a, a bunch as well. So some really, really quality names in that 2021 class and a lot in the region. And, and that's really where they want to take that next step. You know, they, they, they fell back last year with those top guys in the region. 
all of a sudden you've got a little bit of momentum. You've got a 10 win regular season, a chance for an 11th win. Um, so I mean, you've got it. You got an opportunity to push forward, and they're doing that with these 2021 prospects. Anytime you get a former commit that you want back in your class, uh, back to campus, it's an opportunity. And then they did that with Dante Thornton. Clearly, there was a reason that he chose Penn State initially, and uh, we said this at the same time, decommitting before his junior season, that still leaves a lot of room uh, for him to explore his options, then maybe circle back to the Nittany Lions. Clearly, that they're, they're still in the mix for him. The other name that jumped out to me that they were able to get on campus, and I remember he was supposed to try to attend maybe the whiteout game this year, uh, whatever it was, travel plans fell through, the logistics didn't work out, but Tony Grimes... I think he is number one cornerback in 24-7 sports rankings for a very good reason. Had a chance to see him on the camp scene a little bit last year, uh, sharing the field with Joseph Johnson, a cornerback who's going to be coming into Penn State with their 2020 class. Uh, I thought those two were the best cornerbacks on the field that day down in Baltimore. And Grimes, uh, he, he was a different category in his own right. Uh, a player who has, you know, a, a plenty of teams waiting for good things from him and his recruitment. But, you know, Penn State's a school that he is routinely mentioned among that group. And they got a chance to, t- uh, to check out and, and spend time on campus. And it sounds like, um, based on the reporting from Brian Doan, who has a story up on Lines 24-7 right now, um, that, that it was a, an intimate kind of conversation that was able to take place with James Franklin, with the coaching staff. And it sounds like for the amount of really solid prospects they were able to bring through campus on Saturday and a Sunday, Sean, that it really still allowed for a lot of you know one-on-one conversations, mom and dad conversations. And that's not always easy to attain when you're talking about a big junior day event where, where you're really trying to juggle a lot at one time. Yeah, that's right. And you've got an opportunity to get some of these guys. And, and these are guys that have been on campus before a bunch. So, I mean, you, it's another, I guess, sort of uh, rehearsal to, to, to get them back and to see them, see a different aspect of it, get them comfortable and go from there. We are going to take a little bit of break here. There's plenty to talk about on the other side, including some breaking news that just came on when we, when we were on there. But we'll catch you on the other side. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Sean, I don't know how long our listeners have been standing by with this breaking news that you received on your phone during this recording. Break it to me. Break it to all of us. What has happened? This has been like a full day, and if it feels like a patchwork <laughs> edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast, uh, podcast <laughs> it certainly is, because once the uh, news dropped about Ricky Ronnie taking the job at Old Dominion, we kind of had to put the podcast on hold. The site comes first, of course, and uh, yeah, got to it. So Ricky Ronnie's your new head coach at Old Dominion, which leaves a, uh, a big opening on the staff. Offensive coordinator is now vacant. Um, some interesting stuff because we know that the the, the way that you know of a, a, a loud I don't know if I want to say majority but a loud segment of this fan base felt about Ricky Ronnie um, you know I don't think that 
those people are crying, but I, I, I have said it time and time again. I think he kind of got a raw deal with the way that people acted toward him. Um, but at the same time, do I think he was a college football uh, playoff level uh, offensive coordinator? Probably not. So um, so there's silver lining in there no matter what uh, side you're on. Uh, Ricky's a good guy, uh, good recruiter, good coach. Excited to see how he does at Old Dominion. He's got a tremendous opportunity. It's one of the better um, non-Power 5 jobs out there. Um, they've got some support. They've got some facilities and things like that. So I'm excited to see how he, uh, how he handles it. I'm also excited to or eager to see who he takes with him. I think he'll take some guys from this Penn State staff, maybe not the on-field guys that everyone is familiar with, but you know, younger guys, uh, uh, graduate assistants, uh, guys like Mark Dupuis and, and Kevin Smith. Their time is up in terms of having been here for uh, over two years as grad assistants. Maybe take some uh, the, the analyst. Uh, Kirk Campbell is a guy that's uh, got some coaching experience beforehand. Uh, Aman Aman, um, the special teams, uh, Joe Lorig's assistant special teams. So there's a lot of names up there. Probably not ones that everybody that 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 uh, you know is listening or everybody that, that follows this program knows on a day to day basis. But some key some key names. I think it'll be a lot of younger guys. Um, I, I I've heard some names that have popped up from guys that are previously with the staff, whether that be GAs. You know, Ryan Smith and and AJ Jackson are down at JMU, so he could build his staff based off of a lot of the uh, connections that he have has from Penn State. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, some guys that were in the name or that, that were here in the past pop up uh, in Norfolk. James Franklin always talks about keeping a, a book and a list of, of prospects that, that maybe he could hire someday and, and doing that for a very long time and tapping into that as his career has developed. We'll get into that because he needs to tap into that book again. But yeah, Ricky Ronnie is moving on up and, you, and you'd think uh, that because of his new leadership position, uh, that's going to present opportunities for other guys to, to also make their rise in the profession. That's something that is cool about uh, the, the college coaching profession. Oftentimes you are rewarded for hard work and if you know the right guy, you, you know, you, you get that phone call and we'll see what he assembles. By the way, young coach in the grand scheme of things, 39 years old as a head coach now. And uh, it's a young program. 2014, they, they made the bump up uh, to FBS action. Back in 2018, they got their first win over a power five and ranked opponent against Virginia Tech. But, you know, they've had the same coach for, for 13 years preceding Ronnie. So he's going to have a chance to make his own mark. And, you know, let's face it, uh, regardless of what you thought about how this offense uh, developed under Ronnie, maybe where shortcomings were, maybe some positive surprises along the way as well. Uh, but when you evaluate it, he is a close, uh, you know, a close member of this staff with James Franklin, and that precedes their time at Penn State. Nine consecutive seasons they have gone through, you know, the recruiting process and and, and what it takes to develop a program and what it takes to develop a, a network of assistants on the offensive side of the football. And you know, it's somebody that Franklin came to town with. There are a few guys left from that Vanderbilt collection uh but this is a big one that's no longer part of the process and it's someone that clearly franklin is happy to see get this opportunity as a head coach but um you know i'd imagine it's someone from within his inner circle that's going to be a bit strange to come to the office in the lash building and not see there on a daily basis yeah i agree with you 100 percent. there's some very positive uh send-offs from players from other coaches and things like that um ricky very well liked uh, like i said a really really good guy um, so, but we'll see what happens with this. I mean, where does Franklin go from here? I think they, they make a, a fairly quick hire. Uh, you know, that that's probably in the, in the terms of a couple of weeks. I don't expect the, the, the guy to be around for the bowl game or anything like that, but still, um, be efficient, be thorough. Franklin, as you know, approaches, uh, every hire kind of the same way. He's got his little black book. He's got his guys that, uh, that he wants to turn to. He's going to interview some guys, 
um, you know, when, when all the coaches get together. So we'll see what happens. I, I tend to think it's an outside hire, um, not a ton of options on the staff. Uh, of course, Matt Limegrover was a co-offensive coordinator at, at Minnesota. Tyler Bowen was the offensive coordinator at Fordham for a year before he went to Maryland and eventually came back to Penn State. So nothing really that blows you away from that aspect. Wouldn't be surprised if Bowen was the guy that called the plays in the, in the bowl game, but that's yet to be determined. Um, so We'll see what happens with there. I mean, we put up a hot board on Lions 24-7. Definitely welcome to uh, check that out. Just intrigued by a couple of guys. I mean, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a couple different blueprints here because last time when this went through, we, we kind of knew it was Ricky Ronnie from the start. I mean, we said, okay, Moorhead's office, or Joe Moorhead's offense is in place. You're going to see what he can do with it, grow with it, and, and go from there. Um, can't get rid of that offense because it's it's been so successful over the last two years. Promote from within, see what he can do. Obviously, you know, the, the results weren't probably what everybody wanted. Um, had some good games, had some not so good games. So we'll see what happens this time. I don't think uh, you, you go with a completely uh, or complete overhaul of the offense. You can still keep a lot of uh, what Moorhead did in terms of, uh, you know, just schemes and just downright, uh, I guess, uh, verbiage and things like that. Um, but you can go in a different direction. I, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden come out in the I formation or anything like that. I still think it's going to be the same basic set, uh, same personnel type, type styles. Um, guys that I'm intrigued by, uh, Kirk Sharaka, obviously a guy that that we saw, uh, you know, when when Penn State fell at Minnesota, coached an excellent game that day. He's a Pennsylvania guy from right down the road. Uh, Sean Gleason, for the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, was at Princeton. I just keep coming up with these Princeton guys, and it's it's really funny because you talk about uh, 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 Gleason. Uh, there's some other guys that uh, have popped up, I guess, in the last couple of coaching searches. Um, sorry, James Perry is now the Brown head coach. Um, he was a Princeton offensive coordinator. Um, and you got uh, a guy like Charlie Fry at Central Michigan who you know has some overlap with Jay Wan Sider. So I think there's plenty of names out there. I think that, that he's going to be able to have just based off of the contract extension that we just that he, that, that that we just found out about last week. Um, I think that he can have a little bit more leeway in in you know being competitive from a salary standpoint. I know Joe Brady's going to be the name that's that's thrown out there. I don't think that's one that's going to happen for for a couple of reasons, especially because LSU is not ready to lose the Broyles Award winner um, as of today. So. I just uh, I think it's a very interesting hire. It's gonna you know obviously determine you know we we saw where Penn State went with Joe Moorhead. We saw how close they could get under Ricky Ronnie. But you know it's time to take that next step, and we'll see where Franklin can go from there. A, a part of that motivation to retain Ronnie and, and make him the offensive coordinator um, when Moorhead left was his dynamic, you know, uh, relationships with the quarterbacks in that room, you know, knowing those guys since they were 16 years old and knowing their families and kind of knowing what made them tick. And at the point you're talking about McSorley and Stevens and, and a young Sean Clifford in 2017. And, you know, right now, everybody in that room, they're in the same boat. You know, Ronnie was the guy who, who went after them on the recruiting trail, uh, you know, uh, for the most part. And, and Ronnie's also the guy who has, you know, groomed them day to day to put them in a spot to run his offensive attack and, and be the point man for that so you're not just looking for someone to replace Ronnie as a play caller 
we know how important quarterback recruiting is. Uh, we know how, in quarter, how important the quarterback transfer market is. It has completely changed the complexion of the college football playoff structure here in 2019. And you want someone who is going to be a marketable quarterback coach, someone who is not just going to win battles on the recruiting trail, but maybe sway a top prospect who isn't happy with his situation on a different campus. You know, I'm not talking about this upcoming offseason necessarily, but, you know, down the road, you never know how this thing develops. So, you know, very curious to see how they handled their relationship with these quarterback recruits. And as we said, they had uh, Caleb Williams, one of their very best on campus last weekend. Yeah, and it's it's really not taboo anymore to go after those guys. I mean, three of the four quarterbacks in the college football playoff are, are transfers. So um, we'll see where that goes. Of course, there's still a, a long road ahead just to, to get in with the staff to, to, to sort of you know, uh, set down your uh, expectations and things like that. But, you know, Franklin's been pretty good with hires, so we'll, we'll see where he goes with that. Uh, I could see it being, you know, I could really see it coming from anywhere. I could see it being an NFL guy. I could see it being uh, another small coach, uh, small college head coach. So um, just, I think there's a lot of options out there. And I, I, if if nothing else, James Franklin is very thorough. So we'll see where that uh, that uh, thorough nature comes through with a, with the hire of an offensive coordinator. And it will be uh, certainly the spotlighted decision coming up for James Franklin, fresh off of his own uh, decision to extend his contract with the university uh, through 2025, uh, that breaking on Friday afternoon. As things stand right now, mid-afternoon on Tuesday, financial terms not yet disclosed. But, Sean, this was one that, as you reported last week, Florida State made its push. Southern Cal has been a team in the past. Uh, Texas A&M has been a program floated around in the past as well. And those will keep coming as long as he's successful at Penn State. But this ensures a comfort level on both sides. And and I think as we'll, we'll learn as we come to know the details of this extension, I think it will create growth opportunities for this program in a variety of ways yeah I think so I think the culture is pretty strong right now in terms of uh, players and coaches you know kind of getting on the same page and you know this uh, this is one thing I mean was it coincidence that Theo Johnson decided to announce his commitment when it became apparent that James Franklin's uh, uh, contract was being extension or being extended well that's awful being extended (laughs) Um, you know that that makes sense I mean it's one of those things it's just it kind of made that the timing lines up so uh, stability a huge thing I'm curious to see where where they land because this is one thing that we talked about last week and you know he's going to get a bump in salary you know that's going to happen every time this 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 sort of runaround happens but uh, commitment to the program commitment to the the facilities and things like that he's always been huge on that so we'll see where that stands buyout we will see where that stands because you know USC didn't come open this time but uh, maybe next year that comes open maybe Texas comes out you know it's one of those big jobs can open up and all of a sudden the buyout is more of an issue than uh, than it has been in the past but uh, you know James Franklin uh, I think he's 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 doing okay right now in terms of uh, of money making but yeah I mean, you're on the doorstep right now. It's a very uh, vital off season for Penn State. Uh, you keep your coach. Uh, you have an opportunity to uh, to no, no offense to Ricky, but you have an opportunity to upgrade an offense coordinator, and that maybe that takes you to that next step. Franklin showed up in 2014, faced a serious challenge. I know a lot of people had their doubts that Penn State would get to this point, especially within the decade, and he's worked his way into now a second extension, the other coming in the summer of 2017, and you look at the recruiting results right now, you look at their 
production of NFL draft picks. Uh, it, it, it all stacks up quite well for James Franklin and very favorable from his, his end of the bargaining table. Uh, makes a lot of sense as well for Penn State to get this done. And of course, uh, timing this up on the eve of this big recruiting weekend uh, worked out pretty well. Franklin said as much on Sunday afternoon when we had a chance to get him on the phone for about 10-15 minutes uh, speaking about the ability to, to look these recruits in the face right now and say that he is he has a contract with Penn State uh, you know, through the end of, of their high school careers and, and to be able to say that with the kids who are about the, I'm sorry, their college careers and you know that's some serious long-term um, stability and, and obviously offers could come from anywhere at any time but uh, he really played up on that, the ability to, to, to go sell that contract extension on the recruiting trail and, and kind of reflect on the university's dedication to him and, and, and the other way around as well. And by the way, Sean, why were we talking to Franklin on Sunday? Well, it was a bowl media call because it's bowl season and Penn State has a destination. They are going to the Cotton Bowl uh, and they are going to be playing in Arlington, Texas against Memphis, uh, the top-ranked member of the group of five uh, programs at number 17. And Sean, for the third time in four years, the Nittany Lions, a top 10 ranking in the final college football playoff rankings. They're right there at number 10. Wisconsin finishes number 8 and they're going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, really interesting there. I, you know, I was feeling pretty decent about the Rose Bowl in terms of of Penn State getting back out there, but I guess Wisconsin's first half was enough to show that the the the, the Big Ten and those guys that uh, they deserve to be in the Rose Bowl. So I guess more power to them. I'm not uh, I'm not sure about that decision, but uh, here we are uh, looking at Dallas. So um, yeah, the, you get number 17 Memphis. Of course, Mike Norvell's moving on, being the uh, the, the head coach at Florida State. He's not going to coach. That came out today. Um, but yeah, I mean, take a time to or take time to sit back and think. Third New Year's Six Bowl in four years. I mean, you know, if you win this game, which you know, this is this is not high on the you know, is kind of not really a no win situation. But I mean, you're playing Memphis, so if you beat Memphis, everybody's like, okay, you beat a Group of Five team, um, you beat a good Memphis team. But of course, they don't have their coach. You lose this game, obviously, that's going to be something that people talk about. So not uh, not completely no win, but still, it's it, it's a tough situation to deal with. So um, we'll talk more about the Tigers, but uh, you know, it's a cool setup. I mean, you're talking Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and Cotton Bowl in three out of four years. I mean. Let's look back to where this program was at the start of the decade, and and of course after the start of the decade, it's a pretty good run for this uh, for this staff. Yeah, New Year's Six Bowl, uh, quite an accomplishment for any program right now, and uh, Penn State, as you said, heading to the Dallas area and. We'll be flying down there at Christmas or the day after, and I'm sure a lot of Penn State families will be spending the Christmas time down uh, there for this one. Uh, some other Ohio, uh, some other Big Ten uh, results in terms of postseason. Ohio State finishes second. They will play number three Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Number one versus number four is LSU and Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. Winner of those two two games will go to the national title game. Wisconsin in the Rose against Oregon. Michigan in the Citrus Bowl against Alabama. Minnesota versus Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Iowa versus Southern Cal in the Holiday Bowl, Indiana, Tennessee in the Gator Bowl, and Michigan State and Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl, Illinois versus Cal in the Red Box Bowl. And, Sean, I forgot how many teams make bowl games. That list was uh, surprisingly long as I was going through it. What was it? Uh, one team that was bowl eligible did not make a bowl game. It was 79 of them, I think it was. Uh, so it was Toledo or somebody like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're at, but uh, I guess that's where the money is. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good slate. As we talked about, uh, you know, we talked about the potential matchup with Alabama. They end up going citrus. Uh, uh, you know, you thought maybe after the Rose Bowl snub Penn State, they might fall to Outback, but that was quickly reported as Minnesota. So, 
Yeah, that's where we're at right now. I think it's a good uh, a good lineup. I'm interested about that Indiana Tennessee game. I, I don't know that I want to watch it, but I'm interested in it. So uh, be, be be interesting to see where this uh, where this conference can go from here. Well, we'll have a couple weeks uh, and then some to talk about this bowl matchup. We'll get you uh, a better perspective on the Memphis Tigers. We need to gain some better perspective on them ourselves, undergoing a coaching staff change right now at an interesting time. Uh, and, of course, we'll keep you updated as well as these NFL announcements come with there any more before the bowl. Uh, we'll have them reported on lines 24-7. Uh, Sean, thanks to Steve for joining us. I don't think you have much to add. This is a two-day endeavor uh, due to the, the Ronnie news. And uh, like I told the folks, there's a a lot of content coming off of the recruiting. Uh, I know that was kind of in the lead of the show, but uh, a, a lot of great work being done by the 24-7 recruiting stuff as we get ramped up uh, for the early signing period already. Yeah, there's a ton of good stuff, as we mentioned. I think we mentioned yesterday. I can't even remember what we <laughs> talked about yesterday. It's been so much. There's been so many uh, coaches' names that have come through my head in the last 24 hours, so it's kind of moving them to the recycle bin and, and emptying that. But, uh, yeah, there's a ton of stuff on the site, uh, updating, you know, more than daily. Uh, we're, we're on there a bunch uh, with our what we're hearing on the coaching search, what we're hearing on, on recruiting. Obviously, Brian Doan and Steve Wilfong, some big-time contributions this weekend. So, yeah, uh, check us out. And, uh, yeah, there's plenty more to talk about with uh, signing day just over a week away. Well, we'll be back and we'll be heavy on the recruiting to be sure. We'll also have the latest on anything from the offensive coordinator search. Congrats to Coach Ronnie. And we look forward to, to finding out who the next play caller is for this Penn State squad. Uh, stay with us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. For Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Wishing you a great rest of your day.